There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. Right. Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. When you think about running through the team at Nathan Stadium for the first time this Saturday, does that give you a little bit of chicken skin? <laughs> a chicken skin, you know. You know what I'm making you know what reference to when I say chicken skin? You're a southern boy. Dobbs heaves it. They're bunched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Beautiful weather right now in East Tennessee time. Happy Easter to everyone who celebrates at time. I guess I should say happy Easter weekend to everyone who celebrates at time. Uh, I am not celebrating with the two gentlemen I would like to be celebrating with right now, time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you from Fort Rucker Sunroom still on a Thursday afternoon. Probably going to drop this to you on a Friday morning. I say probably because we have our Football Friday podcast as per usual, but there's also a Hoops podcast that Ramey and I are going to have to record at some point, so per I'm not sure when's gonna, which one's going to be dropped in what order yet. Nonetheless, you will be hearing this on either a Thursday night or a Friday morning or a Friday afternoon. So happy Thursday afternoon, evening, Friday morning, Friday afternoon to you. Reason we're still in the... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, we're about to get some wacky weather here in this lovely... Mountain City. Yeah, that's why I'm hoping to get the yard mode uh, on Thursday. Uh, well, it's supposed to rain the next two days. Saturday, it's, it's supposed to be 81 today, right? And so Correct. On Saturday, which is in two days, the high is going to be 49. That's disgusting. And on Sunday, though, high is back to 71. Will the, will the low dip below 32 that day? Uh, I don't see any low before... Four, I don't see any low lower than 41. Okay, that's good, because that would concern me with some of the things I've planted in the yard. And the next week we're back in the 80s, or in the 70s. You know, because you got to put some of the, you got to cover up some of the stuff when it gets below freezing. I'm not a Tom Green thumb like you. I like my yard, man. I like it to look good. I like it to come correct. By the way, the reason that we're still in the sunroom is because I have a question for y'all before we start talking about Tennessee football today. For us or for the listeners? For everyone. Everyone out there, here's a question. I want to put this out here to you. Imagine for a second that you are a contractor. Imagine. Just imagine that you are... All right, John Lennon. Yeah. Imagine, like like John Lennon said, imagine you're a, a contractor. It's easy if you can. If you were to put down a f- new floor in a really old house, and you noticed when you were putting in the new floor that the old floor, since it's an old house and they settle, it was crooked AF... Would you maybe give a heads up to the people that you were putting the floor in? Hey, do you, uh, do you want us to level this before we put down the entire floor? You probably would. And I say that because my dad's a contractor, and that's the kind of thing he would do. Here's where it gets even weirder. The reason why we're still here is because we're sort of having a dispute about the floor upstairs in that studio because there's a bathroom next to it that they actually did level. So the bathroom floor got level, right? The other floor did not. So did they, do I look like the kind of guy, here's my question also, part two. Do I look like the kind of guy who wants to go to the bathroom in a place with a level floor, but wants to sit in a studio and work all day in a place that's a little bit crooked? Does that, do I look like that kind of a guy? Is that my thing? Yes, probably. I think that's what they... My advice would be to not get a house that was built in 1825 by General Custer. Uh, I love old houses. They're the best. but. They're also the worst, and by that I mean you sometimes have to uh, ha- have things rebuilt. I was going to say that they're the worst when you try to tear them down. Yeah. I, I just, I'm thinking if you were to put down a floor, I would tell somebody, hey, by the way, well, before we put down this brand new floor, and, and again, you're asking why didn't we notice this much before? Because they had the room carpeted then. So we pulled that out to someone to put carpet on top of the old floor. And my point is, that's ridiculous. And so... 
That's why we are still in the sunroom because I don't want to put everything back into the studio, set it all up, and then have to immediately take it right back out. So uh, depending on how that uh, discussion that we have goes, we'll either be back in there next week or shortly thereafter. But bottom line is we're still in the sunroom. At least it is actually a sunroom because the weather's lovely right now. Going back to you being a Tom Green thumb, as much as you like to uh, plant stuff, I wonder, I'm wonder. i wondering why the city of Nashville hasn't called you in to replant some of those trees that it moved. I could. Draft. I could. I'm getting ready to put Anytime in. Anytime I can work in a Nashville dig, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm put, this weekend, I'm putting in, a, I'm putting in a, another... How about those Preds, Ryan? Putting, <laughs> putting, in a dogwood, putting in a dogwood tree in the back, putting in maybe a... What was the score it's, last it's night? Two, it's, the series is 2-2. Two, two. Maybe We're a Japanese good. maple. Um, I mean, you know. No, uh, Who knows? Patrick's going to be super triggered this time <laughs> next week when he's watching 100,000 people in Nashville giving all those tourism dollars to Nashville instead of Memphis. And all that horrible music. <laughs> it's just awful. Hi, hey, hey, y'all. Welcome to Nashville. That's what you need. You, you need all those people. And, but how are, the, how are all the bachelorette parties going to get? I don't know where, where the, they need to go. The pedal taverns will have to reroute. I, I mean, that, it that, is ridiculous how many bachelorette parties are in that town. So, so where are they having the actual draft? I, this is like a legitimate question. Yeah. Like it's basically backed up on the river on Broadway. There's to, like that to first amphitheater, like park area, right? Yeah. It's not quite in that area. They, they are. Um, there, so, well, yeah, it's it's sort of in that area. It's in that if you're talking about like is that on where, the river, is that where actually they, the stage is going to be, and like everybody's going to come out and everything. They, they basically backed up. Yeah, the stage is right up against the river, and then like the Hard Rock Cafe is sort of on the right. The the NFL has even overtaken the Hard Rock Cafe building, and they're going to run some stuff out of there. It's going to be an insanely but large it's like operation. kind of outside. Yeah, it's outside, and they probably have built a structure. Yeah, okay, so fine. so basically, if you saw what they did. Uh, when when the Preds had the whole setup for the Stanley Cup final, they did the stage like in the middle of Broadway, and it was just a few blocks of people. The the, the NFL decided we need to have room for a ton of people, so yeah. we're just going to put the stage as far back as it goes, and assume that there's going to be enough people to fill up like five blocks. We're going to so, put the stage in say Franklin, and yeah. then we're going to have people line up for ten miles. So so we'll see, but it yeah, it's the setup. There will be is, ten miles worth of gridlock all weekend, probably. You know, I don't understand why you gotta hate Nashville so much. <laughs> True story, and maybe this is this is my segue here. Uh, I was putting thinking about my plan of content for the week. I was like, oh, I got. I guess we got to do draft stuff this weekend because usually the draft is yeah, right after the spring game. About and Tennessee that. finished a little early this year. What did uh, What did Georgia do to like get like they're gonna be? I, I guess they didn't want to do it on Easter weekend. I guess that's the yeah. reason. But they're, they're like the only SEC team that's still doing spring ball. Tennessee got a lot of complaints from fans when they found out about the date of the spring game because they're like, that's on Master's weekend, man. Well, would gotta... you rather do a Master's weekend or Easter week? Yeah. It's a, it's a tough Especially call. if you're doing a night one. Yeah. All, all I'm saying is that you... By the way, the Masters were awesome. Shout yes. out to Tiger Woods. Yeah, I was going to mention that before we moved on. Shout out to, to Tiger Woods. However you feel about the man personally. That was some good TV. I However do, you feel about the man. I do love the game of golf, and I think as someone who loves golf a lot, uh, golf needs Tiger Woods. It just does. It, he helps ratings. He helps the the game. There are so many pros right now who only started playing the game, and these are some of the best players in the world who started playing the game because of Tiger Woods. Oh yeah, and, and I think he adds so much to the game. So you can say you have to separate the man from from the athlete, but it's that way with a lot of other you know athletes and rock stars and stuff. I, I just. He is so fun to watch, especially because now he's not dropping the ball like 385 million yards past everybody else. He's He was like, I don't even think he was top 40 in driving distance in the Masters now. He's he's completely reinvented that game because he can't hit the ball like DJ and Rory and those guys can. But he's just, I mean, his, his iron game, the, the putting, just everything is I, just I, fantastic. I, I, I thought it was cool how when he was walking in the clubhouse, there were like a dozen of his competitors that were like there to like congratulate him. I thought that was like a great sign of respect. And it's funny because you, you can tell tiger's back because everyone on Sunday started basically, um, having stuff run down their legs because tiger was on the prowl again. Like people were missing putts, people were double bogeying and and that's what tiger used to do when he was the apex predator. And I, I think it's great for the game. I think it will get more people interested again. It will get more people watching again. So even if you don't like Tiger Woods, I think you have to grin it, bear it and understand that this is better for the game. So uh, I the, guess the majors the rest of the year will be fine now. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. It adds a level of intrigue. And shout out to that guy by the way who bet um 85 grand 85 to grand a million. and won yeah. more than a million bucks on Tiger Woods cuz uh there were a bunch of casinos and and sports books who basically thought there was no chance tiger would win they gave him decent odds i was looking at the odds and i thought 
Why, but, wow, why do they think he's got such a good shot? But even but that apparently, was too they, apparently they took a bath on that yeah. one. So uh, shout out to people. If anytime people make Vegas or, or another sports book, pay them a ton of money, shout out to you because the thing is rigged against you and you took money from them. That's fantastic. Well, F- final, final, final tangent, speaking of sports books, have y'all seen this cat on Jeopardy? No. This dude, first of all, he is his, his claimed uh, career is professional sports gambler. Which I think is a crock. Yeah. Uh, what do you do? You just bet on sports a bunch. That's how you get rich. I, I don't know. Maybe some people here. do that betting on horse racing and make a um, ton. Anyways, well, he he's not gonna need to bet no more because he's making uh, what was he at? He's almost at like seven hundred thousand dollars in like ten days. Jeez. He won one hundred thirty-one thousand dollars last night just on the show. Was was every category like sports betting? No, sports it's just gambling. like he knows everything, and he he like I am a avid Jeopardy watcher. I'll admit it. I'm proud of it. Um, there's different, people, people have different strategies. He goes like he does all the one thousand dollar clues, and then all the next one he gets. If he gets a daily double, he's like betting like ungodly amounts. And like last night at the end, so of, he's a yellow player. End of, at the end of well, he's just really smart and he's really good. He clicks and he he buzzes in first every time. Like last night at the like end, the progressive commercial. Last night at the end of uh, at the end before final jeopardy, he had like seventy one thousand, and the two women he competed against had like six and like seven thousand, and they were just laughing because it's just like I mean, like what do you do? And so I don't I don't know. I like to see this guy go up against Ken Jennings, who's like the goat. He's like the tiger of Jeopardy. Anyways, yeah. let's get to football. That would that would be that would be interesting to me. Uh, for those of you who who missed our most recent episode, that was a recap of. As I grab the sports. Speaking of sports sheets, here's a sports sheet I'm grabbing. For those of you who missed it, uh, the April 13th Orange and White game that was our most recent. Uh, Go Vols 24-7 podcast football episode talking about that game. It was won 28 to 10 by the White team. Jared Garantano. 19 of 37, 198 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, uh, was named the most valuable player uh, of the of the orange and white game. The uh, the spring awards, Tennessee used to have a bunch of them. And remember, in lieu, since this is the second season without Butch Jones here, I've given myself the 63 effort award for a second consecutive year. So congratulations to me. Um, it's meant a lot. It was a lot of hard work, but I pulled it off. Uh, there are only two awards left, the the traditional ones, the Andy Spiva Award for Most Improved Defensive Player and the Harvey Robinson Award for the Most Improved Offensive Player of the Spring. Uh, Josh Palmer, junior wide receiver, won that for the offense, and senior linebacker Daniel Batuli held off Shannon Reed and some other worthy competitors for the Andy Spiva Defensive Improvement Award. So that's where things stand after spring camp. Guys, bottom line, what do we see right now as – I don't want to say the result, but but what do we think overall of the spring? Was this a good spring for Tennessee football? Was this a not-so-good spring for Tennessee football? Where does this fall on the quality spectrum in terms of, of what they needed to get accomplished and what they actually got accomplished? I, I think it's a good spring for a couple of big reasons. Uh, what we're not talking about, first of all. Yes. Um, we're, we're talking about <laughs> – Oh, well, I don't know where you think I'm going with this. Maybe it's the no, same. but we're not talking about anything terrible. Half yeah, we're team, not half the team is an injury. Yeah, we're not talking about any new in, major new injuries that popped up this spring, and we're not talking about Tennessee struggling with the installation of a new scheme. That's one thing that never really came up this spring. Is you, you're you're working on a new system under Jim Chaney on offense, and everything we've heard so far, and you know you only get to see so much of an offense during the spring game, and and they're running you know a, a tech mobile selection of plays out there, but from what we've seen and heard so far, it sounds like there have been no issues installing that system and, and no major hiccups to speak of so far. So if there are some dramatic differences in this offense, it hasn't, hasn't been a major concern that we have heard of, heard of so far. And then, yeah, no major new injuries. And, and with a team that already has you know, had some, some issues to, to overcome from last season, that, that's, a, that's a good start. But, yeah, th- this is a team that obviously has a long way to go in some spots, but you can deal with that not having – not having to worry about the installation of a new scheme and not having to worry about new injuries. So I think that's first and foremost, that's why it's a, a successful spring to me. Yeah. I, I think if, uh, if you would compare where Tennessee's coming on spring now to where it was a year ago, I mean, last year, everything was just so new for everybody. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt and his staff did not know the, the roster. They, I don't know how much they knew the roster better after spring. Cause they moved guys around so much. Uh, the players were still getting used to what they needed to do. They were learning new systems on both sides of the ball. Um, and Pruitt has sounded uh, and expressed that he sees a lot more of a much more of a confident team and a team with a lot more competition. Um, and I think the players have also said, uh, you know, heard a lot about 
just how much more settled in they are. Um, and so when you've got those things going, you can focus more on, on getting better when you're not having to think about, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? You can go out and play and get better. And so, uh, I think Tennessee did a lot of that. I think, uh, you know, there was some, some positive improvement for a lot of players and that's what spring football to me is about. It's about guys getting better individually. Uh, the way Tennessee practices, they have, you know, they do a lot of team stuff, a lot of 11 on 11. It's a chance for guys to go out there and, and play football. And that's, as Pruitt always says, you get better the longer you do something. So the more they can get out there and, and just play, the better some of these guys are going to get. And so, Does that mean um, eventually you're going to be good on this podcast? Pro- well, I don't know. There might not be any hope for me. But, um, but yeah, that's, I, I think that's, you know, to me, it's, again, it's always about individual improvement. And there were some guys that I thought that stepped up that, that showed um, that uh, they have put themselves in position at least to go into preseason camp with a chance to be a factor and help this team. And, and there's a, lot, a few of those guys that I, I did a, uh, a list of 10 players this week of uh, 10 guys that help themselves the most and uh, really some guys that you didn't see coming mm-hmm. uh, on that list. So I, I think there's some good things. And, and the defensive line, big question mark. I think they can leave spring feeling better about it now than maybe they were just even two or three weeks ago. And, and, and yeah, the, the other thing, you know, just beyond staying healthy and, and, uh, and, and sort of getting that Jim Cheney offense down, at least so far uh, with, with the working understanding of what they're doing, yeah, I think you've got enough progress out of the areas where you had to have some improvement, where you you feel like you're going into the summer with you know a decent foundation. Uh, you you've got at least something to 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 work from, and and yeah, like you said, they're so far from where they were a year ago that they were, and clearly last season this was still the case. They were just learning how to do everything under Jeremy Pruitt. They're so much farther ahead. There's such a clear difference, I think, in year two under Jeremy Pruitt, knowing everything about the way he expects to do things, the freshmen picking up things fairly quickly. I, I think this was a pretty smooth spring when you look at things from an operations standpoint, just just knowing how to how to go through the day-to-day grind. It doesn't feel like a new staff. And even with three new assistants on staff, I thought this was a fairly smooth spring considering you know the hiccups you sometimes hear of when there is that kind of turnover on a staff, especially at the two coordinator positions. Yeah, I, I think that, that there were probably overall more positives than there were negatives. And, and I think there were no, here's what's important to me. There were no surprising negatives, at least that we know of that there were no, you no, know, there's still question marks. Yeah. There's plenty there, of them. There, there's question marks, but these are question marks that you knew going into spring camp were going to be question marks. That doesn't mean that they're okay. That doesn't mean that it's acceptable. That just means that, that, you know, nothing new that we know of, seemed to pop up on the radar. You know, the, the, there was no, you know, Daniel Batuli tearing an ACL. There was no Jared Garantano having to have shoulder surgery. There was no, we, you know, there were no three or four guys having to get kicked off the team for various reasons. There we, were, we still don't know J.J. Peterson's exact status, I guess. No, we don't. But I, I think, uh, I, I think I feel not 100% comfortable, but fairly comfortable saying he's had some shoulder issues. Yeah. And I think that's that's what's going on. But I know he's dinged up, and uh, I'm saying as long as there hasn't been some sort of follow up procedure there, yeah, then, yeah, that would be one that certainly you wanted him to make a move this year if you're Tennessee. So that would obviously be bad news if he's had any sort of setback. Yeah, to this point, there have been no announcements like there were this week with basketball, like hey, Lamonte Turner's had sh- surgery or something like that. Mm-hmm. There was no, no nothing they, like have that. They ever done this kind of now? You did. Have, you did have the Kenneth George arrest that sort of been yeah, that, falling that, off the radar a little bit yeah, lately. That, that was unfortunate because he was the guy who was maybe going to help him a little bit. I think he, he had started spring, I think, pretty optimistically, actually. We'd heard his name a little bit early in camp as a guy who was doing some good things. But then every time kids go on spring break, I don't care if they're football players, basketball players, regular students, no 4.0 students, engineering majors, I don't care who they are, if you're a parent or a coach or responsible for some kid and they go on spring break – you're always going to be nervous until they come back. And this year that jumped up a bit, Tennessee. There was one guy that got in, in pretty serious trouble. Uh, but this was not a starter, and I'm not saying that makes it okay, but but from the standpoint purely of the performance of the team, I don't think that is something that they can't get past. They've got some options there. they got some players. So even if he's definitely done with the program, then, then they've got some other guys there who can step up and, and do some things. That's not a starter. So from that standpoint, and I'm not I'm not trying to say that you set the bar so low that anything other than like, hey, if nothing bad happens that wasn't expected to happen, that means it's a good spring. That that's not exactly what I'm going for here. But what I'm saying is it's good that of all the problems that they knew were going to emerge, 
they didn't really have huge new ones pop up on the radar. You know, because if you're trying to plug a dam one hole at a time and, and you, you put your finger, you know, you, you, you patch up one and then it just pops out somewhere else, that's kind of what it feels like when you're the coach of a team that's not very good. You know, you, you, you cover over this one hole and then water starts shooting out somewhere else. And that, that's just how it goes. With this team, they knew there were tons of questions on the defensive line. They knew they had numbers, but maybe not enough proven quality and that they needed guys to emerge there. They still know that. They knew on the offensive line that they had a few more numbers than they had last year, but they still had some consistency issues, some size and strength issues. And they saw that again in the spring. So, so you know, that doesn't mean, hey, it's great because we know this is a problem. No, but, but they know still what they're dealing with here. And they feel like, I, I think it was a, if you judge just on the spring game, you might not have thought that the, the offensive line had a good spring. I think the offensive line had a decent, solid spring. I think it had more good days than bad days, which is a big start for this team because I don't care what offense you run. I don't care what you're trying to do. If you can't block anybody, you're not going to move the ball. You're not going to put points on the board. You're not going to win games. So from that standpoint, I think that is a positive. Uh, I think it would have been a better spring if one of the young quarterbacks had taken a huge leap in front of the other one to give you a more solid pecking order there. I think that would have been ideal, uh, but that didn't happen as far as we know because that they both kind of, you know, I think we can we can guess from the game itself that right now the elder statesman, the redshirt freshman, uh, JT Shroud, he has the the advantage over Brian Maurer right now. I think we can see that. But it's 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 pretty close, and both of those guys are still making throws that make you go wow, and mm-hmm. then throws that make you go ew. At this, you know they they that's what young guys do. And when you and when you hear Chris Winkie throw around, you know that Brian Maurer has the Ed factor, you know that that's, which he does. He's got some moxie to him. Yeah. And he, you 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 could tell when he got flushed out of the pocket a few times in the orange and white game. I don't know, if, Pat. I think it was either me and Grant or me and you who were talking about this. You could tell that his high school team wasn't very good then because he knew what to do when he got flushed out of the pocket. Yeah, that was something that Pruitt always says. He played behind an offensive line that didn't really protect him much, so he was used to throwing on the run and throwing off different platforms. That's the the yep. lingo. And and also just quickness. Use. Like I, I'd like to see him in a foot race with Garantano because I think he might be faster. He, he, I think he, both he, of them might be faster. I think Shaw had some showed some decent wheels too. None mm-hmm. of these guys are going to be Dobbs. Yeah. But who, no, gosh, few, no, few are. Dobbs is a wide receiver who could throw. I mean, basically, you know, with with his with his speed. I don't know, some people still think he can't throw. Well, people need to go back and watch film. He can throw the football. He wouldn't be in the National Football League right now if he couldn't the throw National the National Football League. Look, at this. you're just so Memphis. You're, you know, if if, if the AAF what's, if the AAF was still around because Memphis is still mad at Nashville oh, for losing geez. the Titans, <laughs> and you're still like, oh, it's the National Football League. Okay. No, that's I'm making fun of the fact that you can't say you can't just say NFL anymore. You have to be like. The National Football League, the league, the Shield, it's yeah, like, like well, it's a show yeah. on FX. But yeah, the uh, when you look at sort of his ability to get out of the pocket and do some things, I, I think that's promising because hey, if you're not going to have a good offensive line, or if you're going to have questions up front, you need to have a quarterback who's comfortable being uncomfortable. And, and I think that kid uh, has some ability. But let me put this very, very clearly. Jared Garantano is this team's quarterback. There is no question about that. There was no question about that going into camp. There's no question about that going out of camp. If driver two is healthy, he is the starting quarterback of this team. Period, dot, end of sentence, end of paragraph, end of chapter, end of book. He is the quarterback if he is healthy. Yeah, and I think uh, for for this spring, I think there were some things that that we kind of thought about this, the the version of what this team's going to be that were sort of reaffirmed. Uh, we thought there, you know, there there were going to be concerns on the offensive line, and defensive line. I yeah. think there were some some improvements made and some progress made in each of those cases. Uh, I think there's still question marks about the depth at some positions on the defense. Um, can you know the first team defense didn't do a whole didn't do a really good job uh, of forcing a lot of turnovers. Now, of course, they were also very, playing uh, very vanilla. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not talking about the spring. I'm, I think the whole spring, even oh, the scrimmages, okay. yeah, they weren't yeah, very yeah, good yeah, at yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it seemed to be that the second team defense was making more of the plays. Guys like Warren Burrell, D'Angelo Gibbs had an interception uh, in his first scrimmage on defense. And, and uh, to be fair, that's probably the difference in playing a guy like Jared Garantano, who has experience, who has went however many attempts last year without Throwing yeah. a pick, only who, who does three who, all season. Then who's he, almost too conservative? And the second team guys are going up against two freshmen that are still in the, with you know Mauer's only been here a few months and Shroud's only been here less than a year. So trying to make throws they uh, got away with in high school. And, and so, but I think uh, there, I think this offense could be pretty good. You really have to like their playmakers 
Um, and, I lo- I like, and I like Jim ball. Chaney, too. Um, I think they're going to do... Even with the O-line issues? Well, no, no. I, I'm, you didn't yeah. let me finish, Ryan. Um, Way to go, Ryan. <laughs> good job, Ryan. <laughs> you couldn't kind of handle the situation. Um, <laughs> they've, they've got the playmakers at receiver, at running back, and at tight end. If they can get adequate offensive line and quarterback play, they could be pretty good on offense. Uh, I, we had a, we had this question on the board. I think Wes and I both answered it. Where does this receiving core stack up within the SEC? I think their top three is probably as good as anybody other than Alabama. Mm-hmm. With Juwan Jennings, Mark West Calloway, Josh Palmer coming into his own like he is. Um, those are all three guys. Who those could, are three who, really who, good who players could, who could collect paychecks. And, and those are Pardon those are guys that if you're a defensive coordinator, you want how you know you can't you can't double all of them. Um, so there's going to be some, some guys that are tough one-on-one matchups for your, for your defensive backs that you're going to have to put out on an Island. And that's where those guys can be successful. I'm not enamored with the rest of the receiving core, to be honest. I think they need D'Angelo Gibbs back over there and they need him eligible. Yeah. Um, they got some solid guys, but not really spectacular. I, I really got... wanted Jordan Murphy to have a better spring than yeah. he did. He just didn't, did, just didn't he hear just, his name enough. He's just kind of up and down. Tyler bird did make some plays here and there though. I think Tyler he, bird had a decent spring. I, I think he and, and Brandon Johnson might be the next two guys. I don't know what I, I, I haven't gotten a, really good grasp on what to expect out of Ramel Keaton and Cedric Tillman yeah, yet. But Johnson's dinged up, um, was dinged up most of the spring. Ty Chandler is, again, he's a matchup problem. They're going to throw him the ball a lot. Again, Tom even talked about it after the spring game. A lot of angle routes. Yes, a lot of angle, a lot of circle routes. That play was undefeated on Madden back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you've got Ty Chandler matched up with a, with a linebacker, you're going to take your chances. Same thing with Dominic Wood Anderson, who uh, I don't think Daniel Batuli did a particularly good job covering him in the spring game. Uh, which is a little bit of a, okay, that's like the dichotomy of a spring right there. You're like, okay, Wood Anderson's going to be a tough matchup for a lot of linebackers. And then you're like, Daniel Batuli still is a little bit of a liability in coverage. Yes. Um, which not, is not, not really strength. a surprise. Um, and so if, if you've got those guys, you know, those are a lot of, those are really good options at the playmaker position. I think they got some solid running backs. You know, Tim Jordan, if he can continue to get better and not leave things out there, I think Eric Gray is going to have a big, I think we've heard enough good things about him yeah. that, that he's going to be a, I don't want to say a huge part of this offense, but he 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 could be a factor if he's if his shoulder is right. Yes. Um. And, and so if you can get adequate offensive line play, to where you can run the ball just a little bit, I know Pruitt wants them to be a run first team, but that may not be this team's strength. I don't think it's going to be this uh, team's strength. If you can but Chandler st- is a really good player. If you can stay out of third and twelve and keep your quarterback from getting flattened twenty times a game, then you have a chance to move the ball and put up some points and generate some big plays. Um. But again, the offensive line is still. I think there's a long way to go there. I don't. I don't think we have a great grasp on who's going to be where. Um, no, think, we have a basic idea of some. There's spots, still a lot I of think. questions to be answered there yeah. that, that that are going to be figured out in the spring. And I think it starts with, uh, you know, I think it starts with two guys: Wanya Morris and Brandon Kennedy. If Kennedy's healthy, I got to think he's the starting center. Yes. Um, and if Wanya Morris is. It seemed like they were grooming him to be the starting left tackle. He got a lot of work with the ones. Um, if he's there, then then you can put Jameer Johnson at guard. I think Jameer would be the other left tackle if Wanye's not ready. And then you got to figure out what happens on the right side if if Darnell Wright's ready to come in and 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 also be a day one guy. Well, we'll what, have to wait and see. What I like about you, you mentioned this about the 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 wide receivers, and I think you saw <clears throat> during the orange and white game something that you can do. When you have three receivers who are as big, strong, and physical as guys like Jennings, Callaway, and Palmer, when Tennessee's offense started the game really sluggishly, what Tennessee did, and this is really important, Tennessee spread the field and ran the most simple play in all of football in the passing game, which is four verts. And what that was able to help Tennessee do was it spread the field out before the snap, it let Garantano see, okay, here's my four wideouts. They're running four verts. Here are the four matchups. Ooh, look at that. Jawan's got the best matchup. Took a couple steps back, fired the ball downfield to Jawan Jennings, who caught the ball, got about 30, 35 yards, moved it forward, and boom, they got going offensively. When you have wide receivers like that, who are that big, strong, and physical, when you need to, you can just throw the ball up there and let them go make a play. And that is something that it's not, I'm not, I'm not going to call it a cheat code, but it really, really helps an offense when you can do that. That's like, um, that's basically the equivalent of what Tennessee can do in basketball when it's struggling offensively. Just say, screw it, give the ball to Grant Williams and let him go get two points. You can do that with guys like Jennings and Callaway and Palmer. You can say, you know what, I'm just going to throw the ball up in the air, 50-50 ball. You're going to get it. 
We're going to get a big play. We're going to get some momentum. And that opened up everything. That got Garantano flowing offensively. That opened up a few more holes for the run game. That got everybody pumped up. That gave them some juice. That was big. And I think when you have guys like that who who can do those kinds of – make those kinds of plays, that makes offense easier because it's so hard in the SEC to go down the field three, four, five, six yards at a time. It is so hard to do that because if you have to rely on that, here's what's going to happen. You have to be really flawless. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to avoid – Anything resembling an offensive penalty, any hold that means any hold or any false start probably means you're going to have to punt the ball or kick a field goal anytime that happens. And that means that you're probably going to be in third and long more than you want to be, and you're not going to be equipped to do that. If you can, however, if you have the threat of taking the top off of a defense, whether that means ripping the top off like a 70, 80-yard run from Chandler or, or, or screen pass, or going 30, 40 yards downfield with the, one of the big wide receivers. Either way, if you can do that, then you keep a defense you, you keep a defense on its back foot a little bit, on, on the back of its foot. And that's where you want to be. You want to have that implanted in their mind so they can't just attack, attack, attack you. That's what the difference is. If Tennessee, if Garantano can continue to throw that ball accurately and give those guys a chance, I think they got a chance to put points on the board. And I think that's going to be the strength of this offense more than likely is going to be throwing the ball. They're going to spread it out a little bit. They're going to throw it to Chandler kind of like the Saints do with Kamara. Just give him the ball in any way you can. And then – because he has to get – I mean, I'm telling you, he's got to get – I think he's got to get 15 touches a game. I, I mean, I, I think oh, yeah. that's a bare minimum of times yeah, Chandler has to touch the ball. Yeah, I think Jim Chaney will do that. He's usually pretty good about doing that. And then you have to give Jennings, Callaway, Palmer, and those guys chances downfield. In theory, and you obviously have to incorporate Wood Anderson too. But if you can get one slot receiver, because Chandler helps you offset this a little bit because he can do well, it. I, I think but if you play. have one slot receiver who can <laughs> sort of beat you a different way, that would open up. That that would give this offense another kick that it kind of needs. I think you're saying that you they need like a slot type receiver. Yes, you're not saying because they 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 could run Jennings out of the slot. Yeah, well. I mean That's you can do that. Did. I mean I Randy Moss used to go out of the slot. You can only, do that. They're only three. The only three guys that, that I saw at least that were with the slot guys from what we saw in practice was Jennings, Jordan Murphy, and Jack West Jones. Brandon Johnson plays that spot sometimes he when he's healthy. But he's, he's, he's not – Johnson is definitely not the guy who's going to do a lot after the catch. No, he's the guy who you know where he's going to run. You know he's gonna, probably going to catch the ball when it hits his hands. Yeah, and you know he's – yeah, I mean, it's not, not going to be a lot of yak there. No. Um, I don't know that they have a big yak guy on this team. I think Palmer can be. And so I, I think they're going to have to make Chandler and Gray those guys and Tim Jordan to a degree. Um, get those guys one-on-one and have them try to see if they can make a guy miss. But the, I don't know how much we touched on this in, in the last podcast, but Pruitt, like, called out the offensive line, like, just straight up after the spring game. Like, didn't even, like, waste time in, in his opening. It was like, yeah, one, one of the rest get better. Um, and he was asked uh, kind of if what, how they played in that setting was similar to what they did all the spring. And Pruitt said it was. And he was like, hey, we need, we need guys to, like, look themselves in the mirror, have some pride in their performance, and work hard. This summer, he said, "There's a lot you can do as an offensive lineman to get better," which you kind of you kind of think about. It as interesting though, because I hadn't, I'd, I'd never heard a coach yeah, talk I've, about how you, how you can how you can go off to the side you, by you, yourself and and you, and do you, sled drills. Usually, the the, the kind of the, and I'm not calling I'm not saying Pruitt doesn't know what he's talking about, but I'm just saying like you think about an offensive line, you, an offensive lineman, you don't know how good they're going to be until you see them like actually hit somebody. Yeah, but that makes me think that if this offensive line and, and you know, they've still got a long way to go. They, you know, Will friend inherited a mess and it wasn't, it didn't become a mess overnight. Will it friend took, is, it took Will multiple, friend is respected coast to coast as an offensive it, line. It took coach. multiple years for that situation to devolve into what it devolved into. And so it's not going to be fixed in one spring, one off season, one recruiting class. And so, but having said that they can still show the improvement that they need and maybe get the adequate play that they need. If they just can simply cut out some of the mistakes that they have some of the mind-numbing situations where they just turn a guy loose or block their own guy. They can Im- eliminate those and, and you know, not have those mistakes as frequently as they had them last year, then they can make strides and, and be better. And so uh, that's something that you can control through coaching. They I'm didn't have any penalties the first team. I'm interested to see, I, you, and that's a good point, you, I'm interested to see if they can, um, when, we, when the season gets here, and, you're, and we're not going to know until the season gets here, if they can do that, if they can avoid penalties, and if they can avoid the first play of the season last year where Ryan Johnson went the wrong way and the guy lined it up six inches from the ball, nearly decapitated Jared Garantano. It was sort of the, that was a, a, an omen of what was to come 
Could, couldn't have been season. a fun film study, that one. And so, you know, we don't, we don't know how it's going to shape up. Uh, I think Karen Calvert's been a good story this spring. Mm-hmm. I think his emergence is, is legit. And, you know, he's got to obviously continue it and show that he's not just sort of a spring practice wonder. And then we'll have to see, um, you know, how good Darnell, Darnell Wright is off the bat. I'm 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 bullish on him, Ryan. You're a little bit more hesitant. No, well, I'm no, I'm very bullish on his potential long term. Uh, long term, I I am a little skeptical on his chances of being a I'm, day I'm, one. Starter. I'm writing him in as a starting right tackle right now. That's oh yeah, I, I mean his <laughs> he, ability might just dictate that. You don't know. He's but. been he's been beating up on tiny little Appalachian and West Virginia boys yeah. for the past couple of years. That's going to be a big step up. Well, a couple well years when you're him. as big as he is, a lot of people are smaller than you it's the offense he was in too he didn't have to pass protect a whole lot so he when he went to camps and when he went to all-star games were pretty much the most exposure he ever got to to really learning how to pass set and all those things that you have to do and obviously that's a huge part of playing tackle in the sec is you know this year he'll have to keep Jarrett garantano healthy um so that, that that's yeah, put a tight end over there running back chip yeah, I mean Help the guy out. so so we'll see it's all about how quickly those guys can pick things up in the summer i i think i think he's got closer to the strength levels you need to have a shot at being a day one starter as a true freshman it's just a matter of how how much he can sort of improve from being a little bit raw to being really ready because i think he is a little raw no question uh but he might be a guy who's just too talented to keep him out of the lineup but i think it is one of those situations where ideally you know if he were going to a place that had five solidified starters on the offensive line you'd love for him to be able to sit behind guys and and, and and not have to play until he's absolutely ready. But we'll see in Tennessee's case, you know, how he fits in with the rest of those guys and, and where they try to put him. Another question I've had, do they put him at guard and just say, get him on the field? And at guard, you can live with his mistakes because he's not going to get a quarterback killed as easily as he might at tackle. Um, that, that's something I would consider if I just wanted to get him on the field. He's 325 pounds. He can make a great guard as a true freshman. The thing that, the thing that surprises me the most or surprised me the most with the offensive line in spring camp and again, what we normally see is a pretty thin slice of practice, and it's we don't see a lot of team period stuff. We don't see a lot of 11 on 11. So we don't know exactly whether this is the case. But when you look at what we did see, I thought we might see Jameer Johnson more at tackle in, in spring camp. That surprised me because I would think – at least as a contingency plan, he still did it a lot, but not that not when we no but, saw. But he he got work there, and um, they view him as the left side guy. I don't know. Some people have been asked if they if they why don't they play him at right tackle? I don't I don't know why they just they view him as a left side guy. A lot of times, right tackles are bigger than left tackles. That might be the reason because left tackles you're per, you got the blindside pass rusher there, so you're usually getting the team's fastest pass rusher on that side and the other side you run the ball maybe more towards so you have the bigger offensive well, lineman. Go. But that that's Continue. not I mean but but I I just that that surprised me that we I, didn't I don't, see I, more I, of I that. I think he I think he is the contingency plan if if Wanya isn't ready. But yeah, because I mean you might be in a situation where you're playing two freshmen at tackle and you mm-hmm. want to talk about something that will make a give a coach a I, nightmare. I'll say it right now, I don't see that happening. I'll be shocked if they start two true freshmen at tackle in the season opener. Now maybe it comes to that point at some at some point October, this year. November or something. Yeah. Let, let me I, go counterpoint Callie in here and say if they're good enough to start, if they're better than what they got, then they should start rather than regardless if they're freshmen or Yeah, no, it's not saying that they should or should. I just don't do think Do you they trust will. them not get a quarterback killed? But then again, do you trust what you have out there to not get a quarterback there you go. killed? We've seen that the guys that they have got get the quarterback. I I think there's some level of trust in guys like Ryan, uh, like like Jameer Johnson, uh, Nathan Niehaus. You know, and they, Niehaus, had, Niehaus had a good spring, even though he was Niehaus. 100%. And Niehaus is a guy that Jeremy Pruitt I know has mentioned to me several times as a guy who he likes the upside of Nathan Niehaus. Yeah. He thinks Niehaus could be a solid player. So, so they, I so I think you're more likely to trust both of those two guys than both freshmen. I think there's a better chance neither freshman starts the opener than, than there is that both freshmen start the opener. How about that? I got, go. I got one yay and Sharpie at left tackle, and I got I got one or Darnell and, and Penn at right tackle. I, I'm still on I'm bullish. I'm, on. I'm I'm still on team one yay at left tackle when it comes down to it. But I I, I don't. It, it's the offensive line. I've seen enough from the guys that got returned. I know guys can get improve, and you know for a lot of offensive linemen, sometimes the light comes on late. Wanye made a couple blocks and in that now game. Now they finally have guys that have been like developed in, in the it, weight room. Now, it but, depends on what they do this summer. I, yeah. I think Wanye Morris has to make the most of this summer. He's clearly not. I don't so think does, he's so do all the other guys. Yeah, yeah, what we saw, what we saw in the spring, Wanye Morris, or what we saw in the spring game, Wanye Morris got beaten for a couple sacks, but every offensive tackle who ever has played the game or ever will, even Jonathan Ogden got beat for sacks sometimes. Guys, it does happen. 
and he that did happen a couple more times than you probably would like in the game. But he also, and I, I paid more attention to the offensive line than I normally do during games because they're just it's hard to to sometimes focus on those guys during games. But during a spring game, you can look around and do different things. And Wanya Morris made a couple of heads up plays on the offensive line that were things that showed really good instincts that if I were a coach would really excite me. I mentioned this in the in the in the previous podcast, but there was a play where Theo Jackson was blitzing. He blitzed late as a safety and came off the kind of the edge, kind of between the guard and the tackle there. I don't think he was Wanye's responsibility. But Wanye, out of his the corner of his eye at the last minute, kind of saw Theo Jackson squirting through and he was going to go untouched. And he made a beeline to a couple of quick steps over to his right and got got just enough on Theo Jackson to kind of knock him off his line a little bit. And that gave Garantano probably two or three extra seconds to get away. And, and that's a million seconds in, in the time of a quarterback in the pocket. That, that makes all the difference. And, and so that play, still Garantano still got flushed and still threw the ball away. But there is no doubt in my mind that Theo Jackson, in a regular game, if that hadn't happened, would have just bombarded Garantano from the backside, probably caused a fumble, you know, just would or or a tip ball for an interception. If Wanya Morris can have those kinds of instincts and he can learn the playbook enough to know, okay, this is my responsibility. If they can simplify it enough to be like, listen, Wanya, we're just going to tell you who you're going to block. Can you block this guy? I think he has a chance to 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 win some of those matchups. Um, but that's going to be the question going forward. And and before we get out of here, guys, because we still have some things we have to discuss we do need to discuss the defensive line again because we spent a lot of time on the O-line. But the defensive line, I thought, pretty decent day for them in the orange and white game. I don't. You have to set your expectations at a reasonable level, and when you set those expectations at a reasonable level, I think you can look at that spring game and you can say, okay, they did some they, – they were active. They did some decent things in that game, and I they, thought. And they were better in the second scrimmage too. Their first scrimmage was pretty rough, um, and, and, and they didn't get it off to a great start in the – uh, back before spring break either. So uh, I think they're finishing better than they started, which I think is was realistically, and I think that's something I pointed out, was if you leave spring feeling better than you did at the start on the defensive line, then, then you're good. And I think, um, and, and this isn't to say that they've turned the corner or are going to be good, but, uh, you know, they, they need to get Aubrey Solomon eligible. I think we all know that. Whatever it takes. Yes. Cash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bribes, NCAA checks. That's how they. That's how you. Does you the NCAA them. accept Bitcoin? I'm just asking. Like, what 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 avenues are open? Uh, offer them like, have them come to town, have some meals. You know, yeah. just don't pay with a credit card. Uh, do y'all yeah. like good Southern barbecue? Just cash and lies. Whatever it takes, get him eligible because he was a guy that that flashed a couple times in the spring game. Made some plays along the line of scrimmage. Got his hand on a, on a pass at the line of scrimmage. If he's uh, eligible, he starts definitely. Uh, and I think I think the other I don't want to say story, but I don't. I think I might have said on a podcast a few weeks ago that Matthew Butler was. I never saw him as a starting caliber player. One yeah. of my guys coming back. Uh, he 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 was. Uh, when we talked to Tracy Rocker last week, he said that that was the guy that had been standing out the most and surprising the most was Matthew Butler. And so he said that. I was like, well, I was wrong. Uh, and that's not to say that that he's going to be you know the next Derek Barnett, but. Um, he's to all, have to he's have, always looked like a million bucks in pads. To have somebody. <laughs> You know, and, and he's we've, big, he's physical, he can move. He was good at the Shrine Bowl with Carolinas a couple of years uh, ago, which is why that's why we made him a four star. I was going to say he went to that all star game, you know, with best guys in North Carolina and South Carolina, and he stood maybe, out that week. Maybe Matt, maybe Matt Butler and Shannon Reed, who was another, I didn't realize he was another one of our four star guys. Yeah, that, that he's they're finally starting to maybe make us look good. I, I, I kept hearing, even when he was, you know, a third team guy last year, nowhere close to playing on defense, I kept hearing he would still show flashes, just had the Reed ability. Uh, Reed that the Reed uh, still had all sorts of ability, but just no idea what he was doing yet. And then when he ever, when he finally right. put together, he still had a shot. And that's what, that's what Pruitt said. After he's, the a game. Run, he's a runner and a hitter. Yeah. That's what Pruitt said after the game. He's a runner and a hitter. And if he knows what he's doing, he's pretty good. If he doesn't know what he's doing, that's when he gets in trouble. Um, yeah. but, he's like one of those heat seeking missiles but, that if he gets locked onto the target, he's good. And, and Butler, um, you know, just the fact that, that rocker said anybody, cause, uh, <laughs> he I mean, could have said we, nobody. Yeah, I, we, we, I remember. I still remember when Derek Dooley said that his defensive line was like a sack of potatoes. Sack you of pull potatoes. one out, they all kind of look the same. Sack of potatoes. Um, and I don't think Tracy Rocker is blowing smoke up our up our behinds. Um, he's as, as intense as a guy uh, that we nice see on the practice in, field. That's a nice way of putting it on a family friendly podcast. Um, and so, if 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 his if his every guy in his group was sucking, I think he would have told us every guy every guy in his group was sucking. Uh-huh. Uh, he Pearl said that Butler was doing well, and I think Mincy did okay. 
they don't really have a lot of depth. I don't, you know, Latrell Bumpus had some moments and did some nice things early on. Emerson, I thought Greg Emerson did some nice things in the spring game. It'd be nice if he could could emerge. And, that's and, so. And that's be, a guy with the potential, but yeah, just looked like a long way from it guy, last year. Another guy who definitely has the potential, and he was yeah. out all spring, was Karat Garland. If he's in there, yep. he's a guy who, when there are days where you look at him on a practice field and you go, man, that looks like a dude. Definitely gotten a lot bigger. I mean, he he's a big guy, and of course, he needs a better number. Seventy nine for a defensive lineman is kind of weird. It looks like you're a. 79 is the number that like a third team offensive tackle wears. 79 is not a really good defensive line. 79 number. looks like they're not all in on you on the defensive line. It looks like you're a bad day from being moved to the offensive yeah, and line. And he might have family reasons for wearing that or something, something personal. I don't know, but like I don't want to knock it. But kid, there's like 99 numbers. You can definitely pick one better than 79. Yeah. Any number. Just about if you're you don't want to be a defensive lineman like in the seventies. That's just that's an old line. Maybe all the numbers thing. in the nineties are taken. Let's take a look. No, there's plenty of open. Unless some freshmen are coming in and taking it. Look at the roster. Ninety nine taken. Ninety eight taken. Ninety seven's available. What about ninety six? Walk on. No, it's a walk on. You can take it. Ninety five's taken. Ninety four is taken. Ninety three is taken. Ninety two, I believe, is retired. Yes. No one's wearing ninety two. Ninety is taken. And ninety one. So you got ninety one and ninety seven. Maybe maybe those guys have Okay, then pick pick something well, in the 80s. Well, maybe Savion Williams and Darrell Middleton are those two. What about the, go. the 50s or the 80s? There's got to be a better number than 79 for what, offensive What number is Elijah Simmons going to wear for you, Wes? That's a good question. He needs What he needs is a triple-digit number. <laughs> <laughs> if he got to wear, like, listen, this is, this is unusual, son, but we're going to let you be number 100. <laughs> He'd be like, cool. I think, and then he's like, I'm going to sing about it. I'm going to sing a song about my triple digit jersey. And then I'm going to go dunk a basketball, even though I weigh 300 bazillion pounds. That is my dude. That's my dude, man. You, sh- you really should go, you really should go look at the uh, YouTube video of him singing. Oh, I've seen it. You have? Yeah. Oh, I think I sent it to y'all, didn't I? Yes. Yep. He I'm tweeted telling. the other day, or he tweeted a few weeks ago that he was singing at the, uh, at, a, at, a, at a fashion show at his, his high school. My, my world, my world needs to be a world where this kid is good at football because <laughs> to, to have to have to have this much ability to make to entertain me and then to not be good at football so i don't get to talk to you very often that would be a crusher we we need we need more personality out there we you know it helps our job it helps everybody just look at that tennessee basketball team look at all those personalities a little personality never hurt no one Go out there and have some flair uh, and crock garland get a better jersey that's all i ask it's a really small list of things guys and i think they're doable i think we uh ryan i think you mentioned savion williams uh, i think he tweeted the other day that he was 295 pounds wow it's interesting that's he, he looked pretty good in the pictures that he took from the orange and white game and you know he wanted to show clearly he wanted to show off something because he showed up in the tank and, top like the tight tank top he's like yeah look at me and i've always seen him as a guy who can play anywhere on the defensive line but he when he committed last summer he was 300 pounds at the time and he he said tennessee saw him as that bigger defensive end spot the alexa spot yeah so that that would obviously at 295 i mean he could still get bigger once he gets on campus but he could easily fit in there at that at that at that weight and let Emmett good and handle the nose and that, that would be the position I think Butler's playing. Butler's a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aubrey Solomon's huge. I think he's over 300. Yeah. What are they as, doing, what are they doing at the have, nose behind Gooden? We have, a, we have a guest in the yard. Always. What, What's up, one? Gary? Is Gary? There's Gary. We have a Gary sighting. Is he right there? Gary the Groundhog. Him, right? Uh, I think that's Gary. Did you see a shadow? I, I he's in the shade. I can't really tell because Gary's the biggest one, so I can't tell until he starts stretching out a little bit whether that's actually Gary. Solomon always could play... Yeah, I think they, they do some cross-training. Emerson's a guy. I think Simmons is obviously a guy that could play nose. Um, he's sort of a plugger in there. But that's probably it. I mean, they could, play, they could play Solomon in there. Yeah. Now, I know it's not the world where you're having the 330-pound guys on nose anymore, but still, you want a guy. You could if you, you wanted to. You could, but the, you know, even Alabama's gone away from that. Like They don't really put the biggest guys. Well, why do you want to do what Alabama's doing? Because That's a joke. That's a joke. Don't okay. answer that. I was about to say, <laughs> l- l- let me count the reasons here. How much time do we have left? Uh, uh, yeah, that, there'd be reasons to do that. But yeah, no, I, I think that they have some ability there. I don't think it's a dire situation. I do think it's a worrisome situation. And they need probably two or three more guys to step up as quality players. because same, it, Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if, if you're not going to have any great players up there, if you're just going to have some good to pretty good players up there, then you need a lot of them. So you can rotate them a lot. They can be fresh. You need you need at least a lot of potatoes. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a sack of potatoes, even if they're decent potatoes, they need to be energetic potatoes. You need a bunch of them. You need a bunch of energetic taters. Yeah, you need some energetic but taters. They, they need guys to step up at all three levels. Uh, I think at both linebacker spots, 
Uh, Daryl Taylor had a had a good spring, as by all accounts. The other guys continue to be. Sort Who was it that said down. getting money's nice? Who was it that said that? Uh, Might have been Rump. Yeah, Rump for Rocker was like, you know, hey guys, let's be honest. This is the last chance to make some more money. And so yeah, that's uh, um, and I think I think was it Mauer in a Twitter video said that Daryl Taylor ran like a four five. He's a freak of nature uh, so, as an athlete. Yeah, and so, um, <clears throat> but you know they need guy. You know, Kevon Bennett had some good moments. Mm-hmm. Can he be more consistent? DeAndre Johnson was still with the first team defense. I wanted to hear his name more can, this, can, this spring. You know, they just kind of seem to be there, um, and so we'll we'll have to see. I think you know I think they got Roman Harrison as a guy coming in at outside line or outside linebacker. Such a so, great football name, definitely. Um, so can they get other guys to step up and provide more of a pass rush? At inside linebacker, the situation with Darren Kirkland, I don't think we discussed it much on the last podcast, but Jeremy Pruitt kind of suggested that he might not play yeah. um, such this a, season. It'd be such an unfortunate yeah. because when he was a freshman, the way he ran around there and made plays to see his career go this way. Hey, I'm telling you, kids, that's why no matter how good you think you are, get an education. You never know when you're going to need and, it. And Kirkland will. Kirkland will be probably. Oh, no, he is. He'll be successful. And oh, yeah, no, does. I just mean I'm talking about for other kids. Like, it's just a reminder but, for everyone else that, hey, no matter how good you look as a freshman, you can get hurt and it can change things. But his situation put more of an onus on Batuli and Will Ignat, Shannon Reed, Kevin Shearer was pleased with all of those guys. I think the reason Ignat was with the second team defense in the spring game is because they wanted to get him a lot of work at Mike because they need guys that can run the show because that's what Kirkland did. Mm-hmm. Um, they're getting Batuli into that, and if Batuli's your only guy that can do that, you need to have another guy. I think that's kind of maybe why they had Ignat doing that. And, Ignat and part of that was probably Shannon Reed having a good spring too. I think Shannon Reed legitimately earned maybe being with the first team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, especially in certain situations. They like to play personnel stuff there. Yeah. And when they're in certain packages, he's a first teamer. And, and we could have a whole podcast probably on Kavars Crouch. I thought he looked better in this in the spring game than he did maybe in practice. Maybe he's just not a practice guy. He, yeah. can, he can run and hit. Um, he, yeah, he's a run, if he's a runner and a hitter, then he's going to stay at linebacker. But um, they're going to need – you know, they played four guys last year. Two of those guys may not be in the situation this year with Corte Sapp going to the NFL, and Kirkland's situation is what it is. So they, they're going to need potentially um, Crouch or Peterson, whatever his situation is, or Henry Toto when he gets here. They're going to need probably one of those guys to be ready to play in a pinch. Hard um, position for, for a newcomer to play inside linebacker, is, uh, and, especially and, Mike. And Sherry laid it out, too. you got to be able to make a lot of calls. you got to know the defense. you got to know what you're doing, and, and for – uh, a new guy, I can see it being difficult, and you're thinking too much, and maybe that's something that's Crouch's battled, and uh, and we'll see. But they need some guys to step up, really at both linebacker spots. I think they could be good in the secondary. I still think they need some guys to step up. We still need to see what happens at safety. Yep. Next to Warrior, still need to have see what happens. Um, and can the, Warrior take his game to with the level? star and the money positions? I think Ben Buchanan was pretty much didn't do whole didn't do a whole lot all spring, so they got some other guys to to get a look there, and um, but. I think he's the he's the star when he, when he's healthy. Yeah, and, I'd be interested to ask Pruitt about that because at least off the record to get a better explanation because when I look at it from the outside, it looks to me like Alante Taylor does better the closer he is to the line of scrimmage. So I wonder why Taylor's not the star, and then you make Buchanan kick him out wide. I wonder what it is about their skill sets that makes Pruitt do it the way that they do it because I'm sure I'm sure there's a million reasons why they do it or else you know Pruitt's a smart defensive guy he wouldn't do it if it didn't make sense but I've just always thought that Buchanan out wide and Taylor at star would be better than the other way around but I Gary what do you think is he getting closer I don't know if that's Gary that's not the biggest one uh usually usually it's about blitzing and and tackling ability those kinds of things I I whoever doesn't tippy toe in there is who Pruitt's that's right going, that's right don't we tippy toeing around in there <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I just I think that you know Bryce Thompson's incredibly. Are you saying good. that you know more about football than Jeremy Pruitt? Gosh, that's, no. that's what I heard. <laughs> He's forgotten more than I'll ever know about football. I'm very candid about that. But I, I I think we all know Bryce Thompson's a star. He's really good, and he looks great in the return game too. He just has a gear that a lot of guys don't have. He is a yeah, they, special they special a, football player. He is he is going picks. to make. He's going to make some nice money at the next level. He's a really good football player uh, when he gets there, and he might be a three-and-done type of guy. Um, I, I think that Elante Taylor and, and Buchanan, you've got some guys there at corner who can do some things. You've got some decent numbers there. Yeah, safety next to Warrior is a huge, huge deal. I mean, do they go with, you know, do, does a guy like, you know, if, if Shaq Wiggins becomes eligible, does he? Shaq Wiggins. Oh, 
My bad. Bring him back. Sorry. Yeah, bring him Less back. Less liked in that much. You just want to point out that you were right about it. That's all you want to do. That's well, a yeah, Freudian no. If D, right if, D, if D'Angelo Gibbs, you know, you know, whatever Georgia transfers, if D'Angelo Gibbs is, is is eligible to play, where he plays is fascinating because he's a guy who could start on either side I of the ball for Tennessee. But that's just me. That's I, I almost kind of agree there, but you know, it's going to be hard for Pruitt because when he's like, is a guy offense or defense? In Pruitt's mind, he's usually a defensive guy. Well, it seems like they they seems like they leave it up to guys a lot. Yeah, yeah, they do. They, they, they even let Jeremy Banks play running back when they'd rather him play linebacker. I think they had to in Banks's case because they just they had four scholarship running backs without him. And one of them's Carlin Filsby, who was banged up this spring. You know, uh, can can a guy like Theo Jackson step up and have a better year? Because he was just he had a nightmarish season last year. If we're, yeah. ju- if we're just being honest about it, Theo Jackson, his season last season was one of the bigger buzz kills. It just was Tra- not a good Trayvon season. Trayvon Flowers is still the favorite. For Trayvon me. Yeah, Flowers is the guy who I think if the season started today would be the guy. See, I see Gibbs having an probably just as good of a chance to play on defense as I do on offense. I think he's probably the sixth guy. Could be. If if they're starting the Definitely season today. Be. And that you know, he could be the next guy in and it, either they, nickel or safety. And they like him as yeah, as, as a star. As, so you know, if you could play star, you'd probably play money. Yeah. I guess That's right. I don't know. So so even if he's not a starter, I, he's probably I, the next one in or something. I haven't gotten the the lesson from Pruitt on what the uh what the differences are in those positions. One thing I do want to mention too before we get out of here is that we didn't mention his name, so I wanted to mention it. Uh, Jackson Lowe showed some yeah. some nice potential in that game. Now he did fumble the ball, but that was a really nice play by the corner to sneak back in there and pop the ball out. Uh, hitting it, you know, it was kind of like the Austin Pope play from last year, where the ball kind of got knocked out through the through the end zone. I still think he and, and Sean Brown, and then I Ryan, you're you're big on on Sean. On, I, I'm on big Brown. on both those guys. Uh, I, I like Lowe, Lowe as a pass catcher and Brown as a, as a run blocker. Lowe moved better than I thought he would move. Yeah, it, and Pruitt said the tight end position needs a lot of help too. So yeah, I, that leads me to think that. Uh, there's not a whole lot of competition for Lowe and Brown, for being totally honest. Yeah, some of the guys that they've got there. So it's Austin Pope. Honestly, yeah, the way and I see Pope it. hasn't been able to stay healthy because they because they moved so. the cowboy collar away. So I mean, that, that opens up PT right there. Because I know James Brown had a didn't he have a touchdown? He did have a yeah. touchdown. Yeah. Say James Brown had the touchdown. Godfather, the Godfather of Soul did yeah. have a touchdown. But I don't think he's ready. You know, I, I don't think Jacob Warren's ready. So I I, I see it as not all, for what they want to do. No. no. So I see it as Austin Pope against. Those two freshmen and, and, and Pope maybe, still could play as sort of an H back fullback kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. So he could still have a role. I just I wanted to because I don't think we mentioned him in the post Orange and White game podcast, and I didn't want to make the mistake two weeks in a row of not mentioning him because he yeah. he did fumble. I get it. Okay, guys, he did fumble in the game, but that was as much a really nice play by the cornerback because you mm-hmm. could tell Brandon Davis. You could tell that the Jackson intuitiveness when, when he got. He was in the situation where you could tell at the high school level when he gets that much open space, he's usually going to score. And I think he was kind of surprised he got caught as soon as he did, and he didn't see Brandon Davis coming back from behind and just pump, just kind of punch the ball out. Really nice, as as Pat said, stick to itiveness. Guys, anything on uh, before we get out of here? Anything on special teams that that from the spring that you noticed one way or the other? Uh, pra- Paxton Brooks would be my punter, but that's my opinion based on two punts in the orange and white game. I just. I, I think he's got a little bit more upside than Joe Dole. He's got a little bit more leg. Oh, he's, got, he's got much more leg. Yeah. With Joe Dole, you know you're going to get about a 40 to 45-yard punt. Probably not going to be returned, which might not, which might be a good thing. But yeah. sometimes you, you – And then a 40 yards is a good but thing. But sometimes you're going to need a punter to to flip the field. And I don't know that Doyle is that kind of guy. Yeah, I mean – can be. He could also be a guy that could shank at 35 yards. But well, he, he Yeah, because his two punts – His two punts, one was absolutely beautiful, like coffin-cornered. Really big punt, and then the other one was a line drive, very, very returnable that's punt that you just can't have. So, so that's where I am. I think we all know that there's no real question on the kicking. Uh, even though, hey, give, give Paxton Brooks some credit; he bounced back and yeah. he made one or two field goals in the game, um, in the spring game. But you know, Samagli is the kicker there. There's no question. I yeah. think I think it could be a situation where if it's like a 55 or 58 yarder that you have to kick like as time's expiring or something maybe you put brooks in there and say kick it as hard as you can maybe, i could yeah. maybe see that because Samaglia last season at time didn't have quite the leg he did the year before i thought so so he um, remember he was the, he was the long distance specialist sort of when when i know Medley but, was but then senior, last but... year maybe he was maybe he only dials it back knowing for the yeah. 45 yarders he just needs to hit it 45 I, I think he does i think he is one of those guys who's who's good at that when he needs to kick for accuracy he can sort of take a little bit off and 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 it's a nice skill to have because some guys anything beyond 45 they're just kicking it as hard as they can yeah i mean that's just kind of what you have to do yeah you do have to kind of just kick it hard at a certain point you're still kicking it you know 55 yards to hit a 45 yarder so yeah i mean that's just but anyway that's just a thought because brooks does have a huge leg there's no question about that and as he continues to 
developing the strength and conditioning program, his legs only going to get stronger because we, he showed up looking like a number two pencil. I mean, he was he's six foot six and probably he weighed like buck sixty something. He was ridiculously skinny when he got to Cause campus. Because if, if it's anything like a golf swing, I can tell you, you try to take some off. The one time you try to take it for granted, so I can imagine if you're a kicker and you say, ah, I got this forty five yards. Yeah. That's the one time you hit it forty. So yeah, that's like when I when I got the wedge in my hand. I'm like, this is more of a one hundred and ten yard swing. Than a hundred and thirteen yard swing, yeah. you know. I mean, it, you, you got to be really good to be able to do that kind of stuff, yeah. which I can't do. But a lot of other people could. Anything else from the spring, guys? That you noticed? Anything that was good, bad, indifferent, surprising? Twelve not surprising. Twelve and zero is what I saw. Lots of lots of undefeatedness out there. You saw that there were people during the spring game who were being like, eight wins is the ce- is is the basement." It was like <laughs> the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I said it before. I said it again. I think it's a three year project. I think this is only year two yeah. of the three year project. I did see enough, however, and we'll have a whole summer to talk about all this. But I do think that this team has a higher ceiling than last season's did. I think it it, it could be better. I'm going to go so far as to say is I think this should be a bowl team, but beyond that, I I don't know. I don't know that this is a team because you think about it again, when you only look at what Tennessee has and you completely forget about, Hey, Georgia and Bama already had much better rosters and they had bigger recruiting classes too. So this is the scale you're going against. But again, if you're Tennessee, don't start comparing yourself to Georgia and Bama yet. Yeah. If you're Tennessee, what you need to do is simple. You need to start beating Vanderbilt consistently. You need to start beating, keep beating Kentucky fairly consistently. Uh, you need to go back to beating Missouri and South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Get above that level and then set your targets on the big boys. But you can't go from like, you know, sitting at the kids' table at Thanksgiving dinner to just cutting the, the turkey leg at the big table. Sure you you can. can't do that in one year. Well, if sure you're you Aub- if you're Auburn, you can. You just go, you know, buy Camp Newton, and then you're you're good. Like <laughs> you you can do that, but you you know, it, it, it's hard to do that in general. And, and here's what's going to be a really interesting thought going into the off season is, I said from the beginning that I thought this was a three year project for Pruitt, but if you look at it historically with these SEC coaches in the past ten years or so, if they don't do it in year two, a lot of times it doesn't happen. Now that's different because every 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 coach's situation is different from the other one. So I, I don't want to say that it's 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 good this year or bust. But you're going to see people writing that because you look at that trend historically. Saban, you know, uh, Miles, you know, uh, Malzahn, all those guys. Rick by year two they were they were pretty good and, and so I I don't think Tennessee was in a situation to do that. I would that. say very few of those were total teardowns essentially the way Tennessee was. Yeah, that that that's the difference there. And we'll have plenty of summer to talk about recruiting stuff, Ryan. If there's any one or two things you want to mention, feel free to go ahead and do that. Um, but we're going to have a whole summer to talk about more recruiting stuff. But if there's anything yeah. in in the aftermath of spring that you think is yeah. interesting. Yeah, well, Tennessee had a big weekend of official visitors last week, six officials, and uh, you know, inclu- one of those uh, being the current commitment, Dominic Bailey, the, the defensive tackle from up in Maryland. But, uh, you know, some important targets, and, and we'll see how Tennessee's strategy again. You know, we, we had to sort of evaluate this last year just like Tennessee did. But, you know, they brought in Wanye Morris, uh, Chris Bogle, uh, Jalen Curry, some early – official visitors last year they got one of them obviously Wanye Morris didn't get the others but were in the mix for a while we'll, we'll see how this year's goes they, they took some sort of calculated risk in doing this obviously getting the first official visit for most of those guys but um, you know in some cases I think it maybe puts them in the mix more a guy like EJ Williams a four-star receiver from Alabama it gives you a chance to be more of a contender but you know some of those other guys we'll, we'll see how it goes but, but Tennessee obviously taking taking a, 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 a making a strong play for guys like Cooper Mays you know in-state target Post him on an official visit, trying to trying to shut that one down early, and he hasn't committed yet. But Tennessee clearly thinks it's in a good spot there, and 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 that was a that was a big weekend, and lots of unofficial visitors too. Be be brothers starting for Tennessee and Georgia potentially. That could be that would be interesting. That could be very very interesting. Of course, if Butch Jones hadn't been Tennessee's coach, I think Cade Mays probably would have been at Tennessee I think also. You're probably right. But that's probably another topic for another day, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week. We will, as always be back we'll have a we'll have a hoops podcast this week too we'll be back next week with at least one football podcast a lot of times during the summer we're going to have probably one episode per week let's just call it what it is but you know we'll mix in special editions when the when, when we need to do that but thanks for tuning in as always you can find us on social media i'm west rucker 24 7 on twitter patrick brown is p brown 24 7 on twitter ryan callahan is ryan callahan 24 7 on twitter that is means, gary on twitter that means not the hockey player gary the gargantuan groundhog of death is not 
on Twitter. Uh, but Grant Ramey, the worthless sports writer from GoBoss247, who's not here right now, is on Twitter at twitter.com slash Grant Ramey because he doesn't want 247 in his name because he's not a team player. Uh, you can find all of us on social media also at twitter.com slash GoBoss247 if you want only the uh, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, sir, kind of, uh, kind of deal if you don't want our personal stuff with Pat talking about the Grizzlies and everything and me and Pat talking about soccer and Grant talking about whatever worthless stuff it is he talks about, Ryan talking about the, the Preds and all. If you, if you just want all Vols all the time, twitter.com slash govols247 is the place to go for that. Also, facebook.com slash govols247. Done a lot of work with our Facebook page. We're proud of that. You can go there and get news all day long or you can go drink water straight from the hose at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets. Got a lot of good specials right now. 30% off stuff going on right now uh, for annual subscribers. Go in there. We got a bunch of good stuff for you to look at. You know, we got free stuff and we got VIP stuff. A lot of sites are just one or the other. We have both. And, you know, we have a little bit you can nibble on if you're a free person or if you want to be a freeloader or if you want to pay us, you can get the whole thing. So you can go to GoVoss247.com and get all of that because none of us are going to UCLA. We're all staying here in Knoxville, Tennessee right now uh, because UCLA just wouldn't pay us the buyout. It is what it is. Pat, any final thoughts? No. 